start by sharing the most, one of the most impactful, insulting encouragements I've ever gotten. <laughs> when, I, when I was in high school, I, I was at my church, and I was singing in worship. And afterwards, the lady in front of me turned around, and she said, I want to let you know your worship really, really blessed me. I was like, thank you. <sighs> like, I said, because you sing horribly, <laughs> but you don't care. You're singing, you just sing out loud in your worship in Jesus, and you don't care what it sounds like. She didn't know that, like, uh, back then it was like boys to men was the big thing, and I, I wanted to be a part of boys to men. See, I, I had the mom growing up that encouraged me about everything. You know, at, at the song, uh, like, American Idol and different things like that where they go on, they said, my mom tells me I sing really good. Like, I, I have the most encouraging mom in the world. So I thought I had a really good voice. So, so the lady just said that and, and, said, and just beaming and turns around, sits down, and I don't remember the sermon that day. Because my dreams of being the only white member of Boys to Men were, were broken. I started to ask around, and everybody thought that I knew. <laughs> like, they turned off mics when I, like, they let me be a part of the, the youth worship choir, and they turned off my mics. And, and it, was, it was hard. Like, the, the next time when I went to worship, and there's people right in front of me, I wanted to sing a little quieter. But then I just realized I have such a bad voice, it doesn't matter. And it was one of the most freeing things. Like in worship, now I don't care what people think because I know I'm horrible. <laughs> and I know that there's not much I can do about it. And so it's this thing that that was supposed to be a compliment, insulted me, but insulted me into freedom. James 1, 9 through 10 says this. says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. I feel sorry for all of you who can sing well. <laughs> you have to worry about whether you're off key when you're really in the spirit. I know I'm off key whether I'm in the spirit or not. <laughs> Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. In the NIV it says this, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12:9 says this, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. And in Matthew 5, 3, Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And just like 
that encouragement that that lady gave me recently, God has been encouraging me in a very insulting way. There's times in life where we deal with condemnation and we deal with self-hatred and other things. And those, those are hard and that's where we go and find God's grace. There's other times that are really hard because God just shines his light on our pride, on our sinfulness, on our selfishness. And I've been in a season like that where God has just really been showing me how my sin affects everything. That just how, how tarnished everything I do is by my own selfishness and my own arrogance. Even when Pastor Mitch called me, I was in Walmart on Thursday afternoon. He's like, uh, I, they're, they're delaying our flight. Uh, I, I need you to speak or there's some other people that might be able to speak. I'm like, okay, I'm going to call them. Because I was in a, in a place where I was not feeling like the messenger of the Lord. And they weren't available. Even up until last night, it was, I think it was after 12 o'clock at night, Stacy and I were in, in our bed with, uh, with my computer, and I was like, like, this is what I have. And she's like, that's all you have? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I just prayed. And, uh, but the big thing I have for this morning is that we have a choice We are all broken, sinful people in the process of being restored. But we still are broken, sinful people. We can allow that. We can allow ourselves to feel that and allow that to be our hunger to go to God. Or we can live shallow, coping Christian lives. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you that you you love us in the midst of our brokenness. We all have so much pride, selfishness, laziness that we are even unaware of. In your grace, you just in your mercy, you just show us little by little. But you are transforming us, and you promise that you who began a good work in us are going to be faithful to see it through to the end. Lord, our hearts are open to you this morning. Thank you. We praise you and we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. When Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem, there are three people he encountered along the way that I want to highlight. One he encountered right before he left. And two he encountered along the way. Right before Jesus left, this one, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go to the scripture. I'm just going to share it real quick because I want to highlight the other two. Right before Jesus left, a rich young ruler approached him, and, and, and he was feeling his need. Because he, he went to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, do you, do you follow all the commandments? And the rich young ruler said, I've followed all of those since my youth. Jesus didn't argue with him. He just went to the heart of the matter. And he said, this one thing you still lack, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. 
And in Matthew 19.22, it says this. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And the disciples kind of looked at each other, and they're like, uh, and then looked back to him and said, then who, who then can be saved? said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then he sets his face towards Jerusalem, going to make the sacrifice that's going to make all things possible. In James 1, 9, 10, it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. The rich ruler, he was rich. He also had a rich spiritual pedigree. He grew up in a religious house where he learned how to be a good person. What he was missing was a revelation of his poverty. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. G.K. Chesterton says this, the problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and left untried. So Jesus, as he's heading to Jericho, that's the first interaction that he has. And we don't know with the rich young ruler what happened in the rest of his life, if he, can, if he eventually did see his need or if he continued to numb himself with his many possessions. But Jesus continues on down the road. And on the way to Jerusalem, he passes through Jericho. And he has two intera- interactions with people that I want to juxtapose against the interaction with the rich young ruler. So the first one is in Mark 10, 46 through 52, and this is what it says. It says, and they came to, to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, so he's leaving Jericho, a crowd is following him, and there's crowds all around. It says, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And we heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So he just heard Jesus was passing by. He's like, okay, Jesus is passing by. He doesn't know when he's coming he can't see it. There's a large crowd. He can't, he can't hear. So he just starts shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because he felt his poverty. He didn't even know if Jesus would, try, would be able to hear him. But he knew that he had a problem and there was one person who could fix it. So he just starts shouting, and it's making the people around him uncomfortable. They came just like him to see Jesus. 
And some of them came with needs that only Jesus could fulfill. All of them came with needs. But there's this crazy guy screaming out, ruining the vibe. And what was he shouting out? He was shouting out, son of David, have mercy on me. There was no demand to be healed. He knew Jesus owed him nothing. He said, have mercy on me. Please give me something I don't deserve. Sometimes we come to Jesus with our demands. Everything Jesus gives us is mercy. He doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us a good marriage. He doesn't owe us a healthy body. He doesn't owe us kids that are doing great. We can ask for those things, but it's in mercy. It's his mercy. We don't deserve them. I've heard people, when they're struggling, and I've said this, there's a time when I, when, when I was having a hard time, and I was like, God, I have served you faithfully. Like he owes me something. I, I haven't served him faithfully. I haven't served him faithfully a day of my life. I'm working on a minute. But Bartimaeus said, have mercy on me. Please give me something I don't deserve. I know I don't deserve this, but I know I heard you love, and I heard you value, and I heard you are life, and I heard you bring sight. So please, Lord, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus' name could mean two things based on what it was taken from. It's an interesting name. In, in that region, there were three, three main languages spoken. There was Greek, and then Aramaic and Hebrew. If his name was from the Aramaic, it meant son of the highly prized. If it was from the Hebrew, it was son of the unclean or defiled. We don't know which one. Big difference. We don't know his history. He could have come from a rich, high-positioned family, or he could have come from unclean, defiled, disgraced family that has lived in generational poverty. We don't know his history, but we know what his present was. He's the lowest of the low. He's a beggar on the street. The only way he can survive is the mercy and kindness of strangers. During the day, he would sit at the city gate and beg with his cloak in front of him. And people dropped coins on his cloak. And then at night, he would, he would wear his cloak to keep him warm as he slept on the street. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, that word poor actually means beggar. There's two kinds of poor, and that word actually meant one who could only get money by the kindness of others. One who bows low is what it actually is. It's someone who begs for money. So he knows Jesus is coming, 
He doesn't know, know when, so he just keeps yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He sees his need for Jesus, and he's acting on it. Do you see your need for Jesus? A lot of times I don't. When I look at Bartimaeus, I say, God, give me what he has. Are you acting on it? Many times in my life, I've been more like the rich young ruler than Bartimaeus. So the people around him, they rebuked him and tried to silence him. What is trying to silence you? What are you using to try to silence the crying out of your soul? I'm a man who needs mercy. All of us have that longing. It says all of creation longs to be made right. And we, we long. Paul in Romans 7 talks about his wrestle with sin. He says, the thing I want to do is the very thing I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, that's the very thing I do. And he goes back and forth and talks about this wrestle. And he gets to the point where he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free? Thanks be to Jesus. There's a brokenness in all of us. Are we willing to face it? Because as we face it, we will get God's life. So they tried to silence him. It didn't work. It says, but he cried out all the more. And in our instant culture of have it your way or victim mentality, we can go and we can go to, like, oh God, I, I just feel like I want to get closer to God, but I just have all these things. And we can focus on the voices that are quiet, trying to quiet us. I love that Bartimaeus didn't, didn't respond to them. He didn't, he didn't take time and say, hey, don't you understand? I, I'm trying to, to worship Jesus. I'm trying to connect with Jesus. I'm doing the good thing. You guys are not. He said, the, the, thing, the thing he was focused on was more important than any distraction. So he cried out all the more. The prize before him was greater than the distractions beside him. And then those same people, when, when Jesus, because I think Bartimaeus was yelling so loud, Jesus tells him, hey, come here. And Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and Jesus can't get his attention by waving at him. So he's like, hey, come here. And so the people around him, I don't know if it was like, because they actually were excited for him or they were excited that he was going to shut up. But they're like, hey, take heart, get up, he's calling you. An amazing thing he did, that, and this is where, where the rich young ruler, where he, he went a different way than the rich young ruler, it says, throwing off his cloak, he sprung up and he came to Jesus. He saw that Jesus was there that he knew the cloak would only get in the way. He's a blind guy in a crowd. He's not setting it aside, I'm going to come back for this. 
That's his only possession. That's what keeps him warm at night. That's what they laid in front of them for people to put money in. And he's like, okay, I found something better that's worth giving everything I have. So he's throwing off his cloak. He sprung up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he asked for his sight. And then Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And it says, immediately he recovered his sight. And Jesus told him to go his way. But when you encounter Jesus, your way changes. It says he immediately recovered his sight and followed him, Jesus, on the way. He didn't go back to his life. We don't even know if he went back to his cloak. The writer very specifically said he threw the cloak down, but he didn't, didn't say he went back for it. He found something that was worth giving up everything. Some of you have come in here saying, I don't have anything to give except my raggedy life. Great. Give it all. Glory in your high position. You're like, you don't understand. I'm messed up. I'm addicted to pornography. My marriage is a mess. I can't keep a job. I burn through relationships as quick as a dried up Christmas tree. I'm a broken mess. I put on a good face on Sunday mornings, but you don't know my life. Great. You're right where God wants you then. The rich young ruler's problem was he didn't realize he was on equal standing with Bartimaeus. So Jesus continues on with a very enthusiastic tag along. I imagine blind Bartimaeus going behind Jesus yelling, Hey, this is Jesus, son of David. He'll have mercy on you. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. Because people who've been transformed by Jesus, ministry comes out of you. And he continues on out through Jericho, and then he has this interaction. And I don't know what, what happened because this is, is after it. And so it says he kind of went out of Jericho, and then he must have gone back in. And, but it says this. It said in Luke 19, 1 through 10, it says he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He was gone. I think there was one person who probably didn't grumble. That was Bartimaeus. He's like, get him, Jesus. <laughs> they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
So Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Tax collectors were rich. The chief tax collector was very, very, very rich. He was very, very rich and very, very sinful. He was an extremely poor, extremely rich man. He felt his poverty more than his riches. It says he came out seeking to see who Jesus was. See, he, he had lived his life. He had gotten to the top. And he saw that it was just emptiness. And he said, there's, there's got to be more. So he comes out. He hears about Jesus. He comes out and he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to see this for myself. But it says on, on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he comes out, and there's barriers. There were barriers between him and Jesus. We have barriers, too. May not be that we're too short. Maybe we're too busy. We're too distracted. We're too stressed. We're too entertained. We're too numbed. But Zacchaeus didn't let that barrier stop him. There were plenty of other short people in the crowd. Zacchaeus has said he ran on ahead and climbed in a sycamore tree. Can you imagine the, the desire in this person that he's like, okay, I'm, okay I can't see. I don't want to just be by him. I want to see him. Jack Lohman's wife uh, came and ministered one of the presbyteries and prayed for me. And there's a thing she said about Zacchaeus. This has really stuck with me. said, Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. He was desperate to see Jesus. He was destined to see Jesus. But he position, positioned himself to see Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. He was desperate to see Jesus. He was destined to see Jesus, but he positioned himself to see Jesus. He wasn't even wanting an, like, he wasn't thinking he was worthy of an encounter. He just wanted to see Jesus. So he climbs up in that tree, and I remember, I, I just can picture this small rich man in a tree. And people around in Jesus, and Jesus stops and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down, because I must go to your house tonight. Jesus didn't give him an option. <laughs> and Jesus, the, like, there was a thing where it's, Jesus didn't say, I want to. He did want to. He said, I must. Because when, when we take our need to Jesus, in our weakness, he is made strong. He meets us there. We take that one step. We climb that one tree. And what's crazy, I, heard, I saw a quote, and people don't know where this quote came from, but Zacchaeus, the tree he climbed up, was planted way, way before he lived. And the things in your life that are boundaries to you getting Jesus to Jesus, Jesus has a plan that's been before you were born. 
It says he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And the people grumbled. Two people ignored the grumbling. One was Jesus. And the other one was Zacchaeus. It's interesting. It said the people grumbled. And again, just like blind Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus didn't defend himself. He would... Because he had just encountered Jesus. And so his eye was not on the crowd. His eye was on Jesus. And he said, Jesus, hey, I am going to take half of my riches and give it to the poor. And anybody that I've defrauded, I'm going to give fourfold. And so basically, he was giving away his whole thing. Jesus said it was harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. The rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, was probably richer than him. But Zacchaeus felt his poverty. Because we can be rich and we can be poor. We can be rich outwardly, but we are poor. America is one of the richest nations in the history of the world. Uh, It is possibly the richest nation in the history of the world. Right now, we are one of the poorest. I look at the church in China, I look at the church in Iran, and I say, they are richer than us. Zacchaeus did what the rich young ruler refused. He gave everything to follow Jesus. So what can we learn from Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus? One, we must see our need for Jesus. Two, we must act on that need. There are plenty of other people who saw their need, but those two, they acted on it. They positioned themselves for encounter with Jesus. Three, when we do, Jesus will meet us there. Four, we do not need to come with our life altogether. Five, we do need to come with a longing, a longing to know him. Six, If either of them had given in to their pride, they would have missed their moment. Seven, how many others were in the crowd? So questions. Do you see your need for Jesus? Or have you settled into a comfortable Christianity? Does it bother you when others challenge you? Have you made comfort your highest goal? Are you more focused on what you look on the outside than the work that Jesus can do on the inside? Are you more focused on the sins around you or the sins in you? How are you acting on that need? Are you willing to be real? Are your prayer times a holy Christmas list or an encounter with a holy God? Are you letting him search your heart? Have you stepped out into the uncomfortable in your seeking of Jesus? Are you comfortable with the sin that is blocking you? Do you read the Bible to fulfill a duty, or do you let God use it as a scalpel to cut you open? Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword able to cut between bone and marrow. Have you encountered Jesus? 
are you, or are you just a Jesus fan that can say a lot about him but doesn't really know him? Are you honest with him about your hurts, your sins, your doubts? Have you let the, cry, the crowd silence you? Are you honest with the people around you about your spiritual condition? Or are you more concerned about what they will think about than, you, than the transformation that could happen by walking in the truth? Are you willing to admit that you are not okay? Are you a shallow coper like the rich young ruler? Are there parts of your heart that you have locked up as off limits? Are you more focused on excusing your sin than letting Jesus transform you? Are you willing to look bad in the presence of love? A lot of my life I was addicted to pornography. And when God started doing work on me, I was in ministry in Portland. And I went to one of the pastors there. And I, and, and I confessed and I lied while I was confessing. I was like, I looked at pornography for the first time this week. And he's like, okay, that's a lie. It was not the first time. And I didn't just look at it once this week. And five times I lied to him. And I had to go back because I was so, I was more the rich young ruler than Bartimaeus. And finally, when I, I got to the place and I was like, I said, I, I'm a mess. And I need help. And, and just started crying. And, and God met me there. I don't know where everybody's at. But I do know this, that God will meet who, where you're at. Do you let yourself be aware of the longing you have for Jesus? What are you using in your life to numb that longing? For me, it was pornography. But then it changed to food. And sports and other things that aren't wrong in and of themselves. But God says he is the God of all comfort. Anything we look for in comfort outside of enjoying it in him is not going to bring true comfort. Are you willing to let go right now? What is pride stopping you from doing? And why are you letting it stop you? Are you willing to step out from the crowd? Are you willing to be the weird one? Are you willing to leave behind the life you knew? Are you willing to take the next step? What is your next step? Because with each step, Jesus meets us there. So I encourage you, find someone and share your next step with them before you leave. James 1.9.10, it says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 12.9 says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. Lord, we boast in our weakness. And you meet us there.
Pray for every person that's here. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we don't have to hide the brokenness, the longing that you actually desire for us to open it up and you desire to meet us there. Lord, I thank you that with you comes freedom, comes joy, comes peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are the God of Bartimaeus. You're the God of Zacchaeus, and and you're the God of us. Lord, as we enter our prayer closets this week, let our hearts be open to you. We don't want to do cute prayer. We want you. Thank you. Praise you. Pray all this in your mighty name.